and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portstein with you on a Wednesday afternoon. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. Allison, the Blue Jackets are really, this has been a really interesting season. I don't think really, a, there's even been a couple days that have gone by without something that either raises your eyebrow or <laughs> uh, causes your mouth to, to fall agape. Um, that game the other night against Carolina, I don't even oh know my. what day it was, Monday. Monday. Was mm-hmm. sort of an exaggerated version of what has plagued them in their worst moments this year. And so I know it's not something they want to talk about, although it's something they look at film about, I think, almost every day. I think it dominates their meetings, and it certainly eats their practice time alive. But I think we have to discuss this because it's it's been shocking, really, how quickly this team has gone from a team that's just really good getting out of their own zone to a team that at times feels like they don't know which way is out. Um, and we saw that against, against Carolina Monday. First things first, Carolina is – got to be careful here because you're going to uh, gonna, gonna check me. Tell me what they are. No, what no, are they, they, are a, they are a fast team. They are a mm. team that embraces hard work. I still don't think mm. they're that good. But they oh my God. forecheck. They forecheck hard and – they really fed it to the Blue Jackets on Monday. Um, Allison. That sounds like a good team, Aaron. Potentially. There's hmm. a lot to get through here with the Blue Jackets' struggles. But when you watch them play in their own zone, and we've had a lot of opportunity to watch them play in their own zone, <laughs> what are you seeing that's that's so drastically different from last year, and why can't they get going? I... It, it, it's truly mind-blowing to me in a way because, yes, there have been some pieces changed out here, but particularly on that back end, this is not a completely new defense. This is not a completely different coaching paradigm or staff. Um, so I say all that to say at, at the end of the day, it's just it's a lack of execution that we're seeing. Um, but it's it the, the inability to – find the support for the breakout when you have control of the puck and can make an intentional pass or the ability to create space to make the pass in the first place. I mean, it's just, it, it looks lackadaisical to me. It looks, uh, floundering at times. Um, it's, it's, you know, and, and I, I would love to have, to your point that no one wants to talk about it. I would love to have an honest conversation about what what the struggles are that are going on here, but uh, it, it's truly confounding to me, truly. Yeah, and there are there are times where they look frantic. Yes. Hurried and rushed and nervous about it because it's such a thing. And I do think that when it, it's like it's like a shark sensing blood, when you start to realize that a team's having trouble with that, oh, it just, it gives the four checkers a little bit more energy. It gives them more hope. Uh, they start really, really feasting on that. Um, but I think of one play and ultimately did not lead to a goal um, a- against Carolina on Monday. That game, 7-3 loss, could have been a lot worse. Yes. But David Savard's behind the Whoa. net. Does, he clearly doesn't see this guy, right? 
You hope, I I guess. (laughs) It's one of those. It's it's the pass from the quarterback who just doesn't see the linebacker, or it happens, but you're like, whoa! Like, how in the world does that happen? And I think when something like that happens, I think the goalie gets frazzled. I think the defenseman who made the pass gets frazzled. Um, That can be unnerving, but I think actually Seth Jones has gotten better the last five, six games at it. But just as a team, at times there's a ton of D-to-D passes because no one's bold enough to to push it. I I think they've had a real problem with forwards coming back Mm -hmm. and giving the defenseman options. They've always had options, and part of that is the struggles at center ice where that, that center ice has changed dramatically from last year. Hell, it's changed from the start of the season. It's it's supporting each other. Um, it's just all kinds of stuff. But I, that's one thing that I thought they had pretty well taken care of. Totally. And then to come in this season and and just and see this is probably their one glaring weakness is astounding. It is, and I you know, and again, I it, it's you know, I, I'm not crapping on people here, but it, it's. There's so many layers to fixing this as well. I mean, yeah. it's it's fair to say that we have some players that are underachieving on this roster right now individually. Um, it's fair to say, to your point, that not only are opponents smelling blood in the water, but if they're sensing – I saw some of this early on the power play as well, that teams – instead of blocking line A at first, they were blocking the pass to line A yeah. because they knew how ineffective – uh, the power play had been. Now this right. is changing as we see, but um, so there, my point is there's some schematic um, challenges that I think maybe the coaching staff is, I'm sure, trying to figure out. Um, and then there's personnel issues. I mean, is, are, we, are, are people being deployed in the right way at the right times, at the right minutes? Um, there's just so many layers to this. But yeah, it, it of all the things that, that I had a concern about for this team going into the season, this was number 806 on a list of 10. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And early in the season, there were games where you're watching Seth Jones just really fight with the puck. The puck looked square to him. Mm-hmm. He stepped on the puck at one point, fell over, and you're like, who is that out there wearing the, the number three sweater? I think he's cleaned it up. I think Delzato's helped with them a, a little bit, but Ga- Gavrikov went through a stretch where there was just zero confidence there you could tell and i think he's gotten a little bit better i like peak's game again i don't think it's all the defensemen i think it's the forwards too for sure 100%. I, I don't think it's all the defensemen but it is the defensemen and i don't think it's all the forwards but it is also the forwards they're just not they're just not on the same page and right. this team has always been on the same page you know another thing that's that that's um that's affected this is and and i get, we got to be careful with this Warensky's out of the lineup right now he's been one of their best puck movers the last few years and yet it was it was not great while he was in the lineup I mean it's not like it fell apart when when Wierenski went out um I, I wonder is it crazy to think that maybe Murray and Nudavara are missed more than we realize well you know and, and the shame of Wierenski being injured right now is that I I kind of felt like his game was just starting to come when when he went down with injury but listen if anyone's been listening to to what I say for years, Ryan Murray's passing has been elite. 
Um, that was his strength, was his ability to move the puck. But at the same time, as everyone knows, this is a player that you got about 50% of the schedule out of him because of, of his injury history. So I don't know that that's the issue. And, and Nudavara, again, unfortunately, this past season in particular, he, he was not a consistent um, player. So, you know, is it is it that other p- pairs are not viewed as that much of a challenge to opponents? Is there something opponents are doing systematically? You know, these are things I'm starting to try and look into. But but I agree, like you said, too, it, it is those forwards coming back. And what were they cheating just enough with the offensive freedom that they were given that they were not back enough for the proper degree of support yeah. th- that was needed? Um, you know, the, the one thing I will say, and I don't think this was the reason – solely why, because these issues existed before the the Roslovic trade that came along with Patrick Laine, apparently. Yes, um, yes. P- Pierre-Luc Dubois had taken over that puck carrier role after mm-hmm. Artemi Panarin left. But but again, he wasn't lighting up the place before he left either. So right. so there's something deeper going on. Yeah. And Murray's absent, absence would not be the reason that Jones and Wierenski struggled early. 100%. Uh, Nudavara being gone isn't the reason Gavrikov and Savard kind of lost their way early. Right. Um, I think those guys would help, but it's really, it's, it's been the third pair has been their best pair (laughs) most of the season. Now, again, I think Jones has really come on here the last week or so. Um, but yeah, this is something they've got to figure out. Uh, looking at the defensive pairs for tomorrow, it appears Wierenski's out again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Blue Jackets host Nashville tomorrow. Um, they had Gavrikov with Jones, Delzato with Peak, and Scott Harrington with Savard. Now, I'm not sure if that – I mean, that's the order they came on for practice today. I'm not sure if that means that Savard and Harrington are the third pair. Um, wouldn't surprise me, I guess, as well as Delzato and Peak have played, but but we'll keep our eyes on that. Harrington back in the lineup, Kukan out of the lineup, apparently, although things can change tomorrow. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, so while, while the puck is swirling around in the defensive zone, (laughs) you got to imagine the goalies are, oh, I don't know, a touch nervous about this. Um, they have to be on their toes whenever the puck is around and it's been around them a lot this year. Uh, Elvis Merzlikens came in and finished the game the other night against a Carolina, but, uh, no word, of course, yet tomorrow who starts, um, Against the Predators, Elvis is back to uh, 100%. But so far, um, Allison, the numbers, Corpusalo save percentage, 0.887. Goals against 3.55. Merzlikens, a save percentage a little bit better, 0.905, with a goals against just under three. Point is, neither one of these guys have played like they did last year. I don't think that's a surprise when you pair that with a team that can't get out of their own zone. Uh, but tell me what you see when you look at this goaltending. I think you've got numbers that are probably a little more 
nitty-gritty accurate than the save percentage and goals against. Oh, but I do, Aaron. Ding, I ding, do. Ding. I, and, and I do believe that uh, on uh, John Tortorella's uh, radio show um, on the local radio here that he did say Elvis is going to start oh, tomorrow, okay. to I believe is the news. Um, but yes, I mean, there are better numbers to look at. And so what I look at, and I'm using the site Evolving Hockey here, um, is that because and uh, someone asked this on Twitter the other day, and it's a great question: is how can we look at how a goaltender is performing while c- considering how the team in front of him plays? Um, so how can we strip away the lack of or effect of the defense in front of a goaltender and see what he's actually doing? So on evolving hockey, they look at the difference in save percentage compared to what was expected to be the average save percentage based on the shot quality that a goaltender faced. Following along, does that make sense? Gotcha. Okay. So here's the thing. So last year, Eunice Corposalo ends the season at minus 0.64 in that differential. And, and, you know, and I I don't want to crap on the player here, but Corposalo has always been below zero in this measure. Um, this is not where zero would be average just to be zero would be. Yes. Zero would be meeting expectations, right? Right at expectations. Now Elvis right now is at minus 2.16. He ended last season at 0.03 above. So what that all equates to right now is that Elvis basically is giving up about five goals this season, five goals more than expectation, but Corposalo is actually giving up just over seven goals against compared to what's expected. Um, so yeah, neither of these guys is on his A game. Um, if we look at who's fallen a little bit more, it's been Elvis, but I think that we've seen this as a player who has to find his own consistency to really play. And he's obviously yeah. been injured. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can find his footing here now. Um, but yeah, the goaltending needs to be better. It just does. Yeah. And I do think though, like um, those, those numbers are, are fantastic in a really interesting way to measure. I think when a goalie isn't sure what's going on around him, it just makes the job that much more difficult. If oh, you for can't sure. trust the play around him. For sure. And I think those guys last year were so immersed in a system that they knew they could trust. I like I like to say their stake was cut into very small pieces for them. Mm-hmm. And this like I, I looked at immediately looked at Corpusalo's body language after the Savard turnover, the garish turnover. Like how is he because you're the goalie, if you're the goalie, a goal a pass like that a pass like that you go what the hell was that and your body language is anger or like oh my god are you kidding me um i didn't really see that from him but again i think plays like that they have not seen those the last couple years and i think it i think it can be i think it can rattle a goalie when he's not sure what it's going to look like around him and i wonder how much that's affecting these two guys Oh, I, I completely, listen, I mean, I just shared those numbers, but you know, 
those numbers can be because of a million reasons. And I think right. what you're saying is absolutely one of them. Um, you know, John Tortorella was talking to us about Delzado's pass and said part of the issue was that Andrew Peak was not communicating with him to let him know he was where he was on the ice. So the goaltender's aware of this, the goaltender's seeing all this. And I will also say in, in defense of Corpusalo, I mean, this season is just a gauntlet for everybody. Oh, yes. And and when Elvis Merzlikens gets hurt, He's not the only goaltender that gets hurt. Matisse Kivlenix gets hurt. And Corpy has to ride and play however many games straight in a row. I mean, there's a fatigue. To talk yeah. about issues that we can't necessarily measure. Well, that we can't. I mean, the team can. They have methods for this. But talk about fatigue impacting this too. And that's mental. That's right. physical. That That's a big ask of a goaltender. And on top of that, as you say – He's potentially worried about what the hell is going to happen in front of me this game or behind me yeah. oh, <laughs> this game. Yeah, things he didn't have to worry about before. Um, so we've, we've talked about they're playing their own zone. We talked about goaltending. Um, a lot of the forwards have kind of gotten going. I think I think if you looked at Boone Jenner and Nick Foligno's um, production right now, you'd say this is kind of where you'd hope they'd be this season. Boone, I think, has five goals. Um the one guy who's it's really starting to be glaring now is how lost Max Domi seems to be. Mm-hmm. And this is a really interesting situation because Max Domi has been regarded as a quick guy, an energy guy, a spirit guy, a driver of play, a driver of attitude. And I think they've been a little alarmed by – how he's not he's not driving the play, but he's not driving the attitude either. He's been in some scraps. Some games have been others have been better than others. But this is a player, and, and it doesn't help that the player he was traded, he was acquired for, Josh Anderson, has gone into Montreal and popped in nine goals. Right. Like he's he's everything that they wanted to, him to be and more. He's he's being Josh Anderson. Right. Um Max Domi is tied with Eric Robinson. These are for points. Huh. He, he's tied with Kevin Stenland for points, who's played six games. Perfect. He's a point ahead of Vladislav Gavrikov. Max Domi's at 246 minus seven. The other night, Allison, he played 12 minutes and 50 seconds. They've moved him from, he was the number two line center. When Dubois got traded, he was the number one center. And now he's slid to the point where he skated today with Nash and Robinson on what appears to be the fourth line. Moved from the first power play to the second power play unit. And as Tortorella said today, we're starting to look at the power play units as when line A is out there, it's the first unit. That's how I do it. <laughs> yeah. And he's not on that unit anymore. They're trying to get him going. No one's No one has criticized the lack of effort. That's still there. But Max Domi has just been missing in action for them this season. When you watch him play, what are you seeing or not seeing? Yeah, I mean, if if you look at everything about this player, it, it his his underlying behavior is is going the wrong way. Um, he's at, and I want to. This is at five on five play here, but he's got right now a career low in shot attempts per 60, a career low in unblocked shot attempts per 60, a career low in shot quality, career second worst shooting percentage. Um, 
He's got a career almost low in blocked shots that he blocks. He's got two and a half giveaways per 60. He's got a career low in takeaways per 60, um, a career low in hits for, a career high in hits against. True. Um, this is this is not the ideal situation. Um, and, and I'll allow this at the same time. You talked about where he's been moved all around in the lineup. I mean, this was a lineup that was in perhaps one of the highest degrees of flux we've seen even from Tortorella for a while. And a player might need a little bit of consistency <laughs> to figure out what he's doing. Yeah. Um, but, but at some point too, uh, as I'm sure he would say, you know, these are professionals. There's, that's not an excuse. Um, there, there are things that one can control and it, it just like, looks like it's all not coming together, which is surprising. I, I didn't expect this from him and, and I hope that it turns around for him and, and for the organization soon. I was talking to a, a, a scout today for used to be a Western conference team. It's a team that's in the division with the blue jackets now. And his, he said, uh, what, what surprises him with Domi is just how his feet aren't moving. Mm. And he wondered if, cause he saw some comment about Domi being on with, with, um, Robinson and Nash and said, you know what? That might be the best thing for him, even for a couple of periods, is just to get his feet mo- going. He's going to get, yeah. He's going to have to get his feet moving to stay up with Robinson. Yep. Maybe that line can have some good shifts, and he can just sort of, sort of get back to moving quickly and knowing where he's going. But he seems he mentioned he keeps mentioning the system. Uh, Max does, and I, I asked him today if if you know is this system just. Can it be a fit? And guys always talk about how team to team, there's really not that big of a difference. There's, it's really not that big a deal. People make a big deal out of it. But can he be successful in this system? And he was fine. He was fine with it. But I, I wonder if if it just doesn't – the way that they want to play, it, it either seems foreign to Max Domi or uncomfortable to him or that it just isn't fitting for his game. Right. Um, and they, they keep working with them. I see Tortorella speaking with them on the ice all the time. And again, it's not contentious. It's not like, right. you know, it's uh, Tortorella. Every time he, he speaks frankly about everything, as you know, but he always includes in there that it's not cause he's not trying. Right. Um, that's all there, but it just, it's, it's almost alarming how he's got six points in 17 games. This is the guy that they thought could well be their leading scorer this year. Right. Right. And their number one center. As you Correct. said, Correct. Um, yeah, I, you know, and it's it, as Jody Shelley always says, this is a hard system to play. This is a big ask of a player to play the way that John Tortorella wants you to play. Um, y- yeah, it's it's it. I I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a confa- It's another. It, this is a weird season. We, yeah. Everything that that I would never have expected is is happening. So don't listen to me for any bets or anything like that ever. It's a weird one. It is a weird one. Emil Bemstrom skated with the group today. Mm-hmm. One of the thirteen forwards. He's still technically on. Is he may have? Did I miss something earlier today? I was caught up with some stuff. He was on the taxi squad. That is correct. Yeah, but, and I don't. 
I don't know that he was called up officially. Mateau was sent to the taxi squad, yeah. but and they've got room, so they wouldn't have to bring somebody up. But maybe that's correct. Maybe that's a little tease there for for Emil Bemstrom, who at some point is going to need to draw in. I'm yes. not sure who comes out, but <laughs> Max Domi. I'm thinking I better have a pretty good game tomorrow night because you can't get any lower than the fourth line. Oof. You know? Oh, my. Oof. Yeah. And, again, this would not be – this would be unfortunate anyways because this is a hell of a hockey player Yeah, who just isn't showing it. But it's startling when it's held up against uh, what Josh Anderson's doing in Montreal. Uh, players are always going to be compared to the guys that they were traded for. Right. But as, as, as you and I have talked about, and you said this already, you know – What's happening right now is that Max Domi isn't being Max Domi. Josh sure. Anderson is being Josh Anderson. Everyone is all shocked and surprised. Look at Josh Anderson. And all that tells me is that people didn't, well, which we understand on a certain level, don't pay attention to the Columbus Blue Jackets because everyone, is this the player that had one goal last year? Yes. And he played two games and five seconds and then he was right. broken for the rest of the right. year. So let's right. get some perspective here, people. But, yeah. you know, Josh Anderson is being Josh Anderson. Max Domi needs to find a way to be Max Domi once again. Yeah, it's really – it's something. Uh, we needed a, a burst of of uh, happiness and smiles today. And I've been sitting on this one for a while. I love walking down memory lane here. Uh, forgive me if I prattle on too long, Allison. Uh, Jody Shelley, as of today, February 17th, made his NHL debut 20 years ago. And for those of, of you who were Blue Jackets fans from day one, you probably remember what that building was like, what those games were like that first season. When everything was new, the idea of Columbus being a major league sports town and playing Los Angeles, New York, Montreal, Toronto, Pittsburgh, uh, elevating to that status was so exciting for so many people. And the games seemed to carry so much heft and weight they, that the building almost vibrated with the anticipation a lot of those nights. And the wild thing is, Allison, that team had not a prayer of making the playoffs. Not right. a prayer. It was just about the event and the game. And the weekend game nights were crazy. The Saturday nights, Shelley was saying when I talked to him the other day, he wondered if he ever had a home Saturday game without a fight. Hmm. And that's a good question. It just felt like like um, the building was particularly stoked then. But Shelley made his debut 20 years ago. This is the guy, Jody Shelley, who walked on in junior, went from midget B to a walk-on in major junior because the Halifax Mooseheads could have additional local players as an expansion team. That's how he got on the, in the door. He wasn't really a major junior type player. Even he would admit that. And then by his third year in Halifax, he's the captain of the Mooseheads. He's not thinking about the NF the NHL draft. He goes to Dalhousie University, a really good school in Canada. And then he realizes that some of these guys he used to fight against in the queue are already in the National Hockey League. And so that kind of freaks him out. And he thinks, you know, you only got one shot to be a hockey player. I can come back to school if I want. I'm going to try this. Signs a PTO with an AHL team. Um, plays two years bouncing between the AHL and ECHL. And then he signs a free agent contract with the Blue Jackets. I'm sorry, with the AHL Syracuse Crunch. 
And when Olivar, Christoph Olivar and Lyle Odeline get into a fight, two fights, in fact, you can read all about it on today's athletic page. Um, long story short, it leads to a roster spot when they trade Olivar to Pittsburgh. They pretty much knew Jody Shelley was coming up to fight Pittsburgh. That was his NHL debut. He fought Steve McKenna. He fought Olivar. It was a triumphant night in Nationwide Arena, and everybody knew Jody Shelley would be back. This is a player who has gone from that sort of really small odds to make the NHL to a guy who's carved out a 620-plus game career a and a really good post-playing career as a broadcaster. He is one of the most beloved players in this franchise's history, maybe the most beloved, Allison. Your thoughts on Jody Shelley, who has gone from improbable, unlikely uh, to ever have a career in hockey to having a, a really spectacular run. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so much one can say. And I think, of course, everyone loves a story like this of, of the, li- the little engine. Well, he's not so little, but the little engine that could right. um, to, to reach his dream. And, and you know, it, just the lore of that for Columbus to – be here from the beginning to understand the franchise from you know, Rick Nash, of course, is going to be a storied part of the franchise in perpetuity, but even he wasn't here from, from day one, day one. Um, and to be here, to settle here to, you know, one of the things I, I remember and, and I wrote about this at a, at a previous outlet was, you know, when he first, when Jody first came on as part of the media, he would just kind of walk into the locker room and, and he could have been, I'm Jody Shelley and he would just tuck himself into lockers. And it was just this very humble way to approach this new role and fold into the franchise and fold into his job and figure out what he needed to do and the way that he needed to do it. And I think that's what makes everyone like him as he continues on his journey and in different careers and what encourages people to want to see him succeed and, and help him to succeed. Um, he's been great to me. You know, I've said on this show multiple times, this is when I want to validate what I think I see systematically or, or what I think is happening, he'll always set me straight or agree and always has time to, to talk to little old me. Who am I when he's, you know, doing all his important stuff? So um, it's a great story. And I think he's a, he's a great part of not just the fabric of the Blue Jackets, but the fabric of Columbus as well. Yeah. And there's a lot of times, I'll just be honest, this is a, these are, um, trade secrets here, but there are times where, where the athletic turns off comments on stories. Yes. Um, because the comment field can get a little, um, sketchy sometimes. Disrespectful. And there, exactly. That's the best way to say it. And there are certain stories where you just know right away, we're not going to do comments on this. Uh, nothing against the people. Everyone has a perspective and, but, but there are, there are some, some things that just are not served by that. Um, if you read, read, please read the story. I hope, I think you'll enjoy the story, but go also into the comments. There's some just incredible comments in there about, and they're all, they, it turned into this, uh, Jody Shelley appreciation board, which is awesome. And there's so many people sharing their stories. A guy ran into Shelley at Lowe's, um, <laughs> kid going onto the ice long after a game that Shelley stopped and talked to a kid getting Halloween candy from, from Jody Shelley. The um, it's one of those as a writer, you post a story and you're like, it was a very flattering profile, but I think it's I think it's fair and I think it's true as well. 
And then you read the columns. There are the comments from people, and you go, "Yeah, that was true. It was it was right to be to be flattering because everyone has a Jody Shelley story. Yeah. Um, the people who say they saw him in line at at whatever, and he started talking to us, which is the maritime the maritime coming out in the in the man. Um, but yeah, so give that a read. Jody Shelley is um, he's an institution here, and who's Water commercial, Connecticut water commercial is better, Allison. Jody Shelley's or John Tortorella's? I mean, look, I love Jody Shelley, but I, I would have paid a large amount of American dollars to be on set for John Tortorella recording his. And the shirt buttoned up to the top, It's I apologize, but it's John Tortorella. And did you know Torts would not let them in his house to do that, so they had to go to a remote location? You say this like I'm supposed to be surprised by <laughs> that news. That's just the Tortorella. Get out of the house. Exactly. Let's just do this. And then he's great when he when he gets there and he's doing it. He's great. It just tastes good. Yeah. Do you really think that – I got to ask him that. That may be the first Zoom question tomorrow. Oh, I think that'll go over great. Was that really the first thing you did in Columbus? <laughs> really? <laughs> That's the first thing you thought about in Columbus. <laughs> it wasn't what's the roster look like? Whee! What's the term? They took James to? Wisniewski to the zoo. They gave you, John Tortorella water. Right. That was the hook. Yeah, Horton loved the zoo. Man. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I guess I got to go to the zoo more often. It's um, a great Allison, zoo. Allison, what do you got? You got something on the Ohio State women, which is nothing but good news as well. Yeah. I mean, we we talk about hockey growing um, around the area all the time. And, you know, we try and highlight the accomplishments of our, our closest college teams. There's obviously great hockey happening around the state, but um, the Ohio State women um, are just continuing to be a tremendous story. They have achieved the highest national ranking in the history of the program. They are number two in the country um, coming off a wow. weekend sweep last weekend against Minnesota, which is a for people who follow women's hockey, you should know that is one of the storied programs. That is actually the alma mater of the head coach of the women uh, now, Nadine Muzzerall. And um, it, it saddens me, like so many things, that this team has not been able to be something people can watch easily right. this year. Um, but what a testament to what's happening for that team, for the sport, um, and full marks to them as they proceed into their conference um, title tournament and then hopefully an NCAA tournament as well. Just a wonderful story, great hockey being played, and uh, full marks to, to what Nadine Muzzerall is building um, up the road at Ohio State. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Allison, thanks for your time as always. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. And we will talk to you all next week. Thanks to Danielle Lehman, our producer, uh, for the great work. And we will talk to you all in a week. Take care. <laughs>